Don't write this, don't read this, don't rate this, it's rubbish, don't, don't publish, publish this podcast. Bonjour! I now declare this episode of Don't Publish's podcast, Chicken Trees and Cricket, officially open! Blah, hey. blah, blah, Anthony Arnott, blah, 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 Andrew Williams, blah, 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 Unpublishable Stories, Mystery Reader, let's go! Wow, that was a vision. <laughs> Anything else to add? Yeah, it was, just, it was very interesting that you chose to say bonjour to the most English title we've had so far. I, I did it on purpose. Ah, very good, very good. little update as well for the listener. Um, I have doubled my ice cream debt today. Have you? Yeah, so we, we were sat having tea. Are you just going around pinching then... ice creams off people now? Is that well, basically, so we were supposed to to obviously pay him back today and then yeah. we heard him out like the street behind ours so Sarah raced out in the car within the speed limit obviously to the nearest cash point by, by the time she'd got back the ice cream man had already been gone and Sarah George and other flake uh, 99 which is by the way £2 not 99p so your umbrage there was the fact that it's that the 99 is £2 now and not 99 But you're not paying yeah. for these ice creams. Nope. In, in fact, if we're really, really efficient, we could just move and never pay for the ice creams. That's good. That, that's a good ploy. That's like something out of a cartoon. <laughs> yeah. A really weird version of Wallace and Gromit. Yeah. Do you anyway, have a coin? Uh, do I have a coin? Oh, I do. I do. Am I... Am I... Am I in charge again? Yeah, you toss. I'll call. Why not? Okay. What are you going for today? Tails again. Last night. I'll, I'll just say tails. Tails, please. Tails. Tails. It's tails. It's tails. Right. And so your genre this evening, sir? My genre for chicken, trees and cricket was romance. Ooh. Romance. Romance. So, here we go. Chicken, trees and cricket, a romance. Edwina Turner, or Ed for short, worked in the Cat's Pyjamas, a pub that sat right on the marina. She was the prettiest barmaid that had ever worked in the pub, but that was no real accomplishment even, since the Cat's Pyjamas had only been open for six months, and the only other female who worked there, Livia, looked like a gargoyle who had weathered a few too many storms at its time. Nevertheless, Ed Turner turned many ahead amongst those who'd become regulars at the pub. She's attractive, is what I'm saying. One day, when the marina was fairly full of boats, three new ones arrived. They were called Chicken, sealed by Mr. Poultry, Trees, sealed by Mr. Maple, and Cricket, sealed by Mr. Bowler. Within an hour of each other, the boats all sailed into the marina and their respective owners stepped on land. They each breathed in deeply and shielded their eyes from the sun as they walked along the marina. The whole of the town at their disposal, awash with historical landmarks and hidden gems, they knew exactly where to go. The local tavern. Mr Bowler was the last of the men to enter the cat's pyjamas, and he just so happened to sit along the bar from Messrs Poultry and Maple, who'd already noticed Ed Turner. 
As the beer flowed and was drunk with gumption, the three men individually flirted with the barmaid, but collectively realised what they were all doing, and it soon became a competition between them. Edwina, you should go out with me, said Mr Poultry, for I have travelled the whole world, so I know the best places to take you. No, Edwina, you should go out with me, said Mr Maple, for I'm the best looking man that ever lived, so you and I would make the most handsome of couples. No, Edwina, said Mr Bowler, it is I you should go out with, for I have a vast family fortune. Edwina looked at them and smiled before saying, which of you can sing the best? Sing, the three seafarers exclaimed at once. Yes, you see, I love a man with a good singing voice. Now karaoke night is starting soon, so whichever one of you can sing the best may take me out for the evening. The three men all looked at each other with smugness, each one confident that they were the finest of the singers. An hour later, Ed had selected three songs, one each for the men to sing. For Mr. Poultry, she'd selected Old MacDonald Had a Farm. For Mr. Mabel, she selected Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree. And for Mr. Bowler, she chose I Don't Like Cricket. Despite the fact that they were all dreadful, Ed told them that they were all actually wonderful. So wonderful, in fact, that she couldn't choose a winner. Why don't you all take part in the quiz that's happening soon and whoever gets the most right can take me out, Edwina suggested. All three men liked this idea as they were all individually confident that they'd come out on top. They each picked a seat that was farthest away from each other so the others wouldn't cheat and awaited the quiz to start. After the quiz, they compared scores and found that they'd got all, sorry, that they'd all got 39 out of 40 correct. Mr. Poultry didn't know who the Ashes winning captain was in 1981. Mr. Maple didn't know the director of Chicken Run. And Mr. Bowler didn't know the name of the world's tallest tree. There's only one thing for it, Ed said. If any of you expect me to go on any of your boats, you need to prove who is the best sailor. Once more, the captains of Chicken, Trees and Cricket all grinned at one another, each man equally confident that he would be successful at the next task. There is a special kind of goose that lives only in Canada, Ed Turner said. They have brown, white and black feathers. Whoever brings me one of these wild geese first can take me out. And I, and I mean for dinner and dancing. The three men each finished their drinks and staggered out of the cat's pyjamas, each professing how they, how they will be the one that brings back the wild goose for Edwina. She stood and watched as all three boats left the marina, barely sure that the numbskulls on board would never return and bother her again. Getting home that night, Ed got into bed next to another person and getting herself settled, breathed a heavy sigh of relief after such a trying day. You okay, sweetheart? Her partner asked. Yeah, just a long day, Ed said. Yeah, that place is tough, Livia muttered as she snuggled into Ed, but really is the cat's pyjamas. Bin. End. Bin neat. That was absolutely publishable. Nah. Um, well, I'm going to show you just how publishable it was by reading my unpublishable story, which this evening is of the Western genre. Ooh. So, chicken, trees, and cricket are Western. It had been several months since Norman Road had foiled the property developers of outlaw homes, and aside from the brief excitement of a free can of carling at a local matchmaking night, life for Barton and the Beans' finest cowboy had been pretty quiet. 
At least the Western-obsessed Norman had plenty of time to re-watch all his favourite John Wayne films on Turner Classic Movies. If you don't know the story of Norman's great act of heroism, I don't have space in my word count to regale you with it now, but I suggest you go back and give it a read slash listen. It's a great yarn. However, since then, some things had changed in his life. People had ceased laughing to his face about the line dancing outfits he thought made him look like John Wayne and his bow-legged eye rider horse walk. People were generally a little friendlier and were genuinely appreciative of what they believed he had done. Furthermore, as the only known hero of the 160 residents of Barton the Beans, he would surely be the man the locals would turn to in times of trouble. Lately, the sleepy Hamlet had begun to see the first signs of said trouble, at least in the eyes of Norman. Buzz Cut, local farmer and arch nemesis of Norman Road, was plotting something. Buzz didn't actually know he was Norman's arch nemesis, nor did he have a good reason to be his arch nemesis. But Norman hated the fact that Buzz was a far more American name than his own. He had therefore bided his time for an opportunity to take him down, and now he had his excuse for that dastardly villain was plotting a cricket match. This was no ordinary cricket match, though. It was to be between some Barton locals and their relatives, as there were not enough locals of an age to play cricket, and their great rivals from the neighbouring civil parish of Carlton. Well, Norman couldn't have this, and he was sure that many other locals would object too. Being invaded by those snobs from Carlton? No chance. Just because they had over 329 people living there, everything had to be bigger and better. Rumour had it they even had enough people for their own cricket team without needing any out-of-towners. To Norman, letting them into Barton was akin to the locals in John Wayne's 1966 classic El Dorado, allowing those thugs to ride into town and get the better of them without a fight. For the purposes of making this scenario more dramatic, Norman didn't find out any of this until the night before the cricket match, which was due to take place on one of Buzz's tidier fields, the one with the least cow pawn. <clears throat> he rounded up a ragtag bunch of locals, as is customary in his favourite Western films, at the local Baptist chapel, including the pastor, local entrepreneur Pat Test, and the ever-affable Ethel Elderberry who also dragged along her grandson, Stephen, as punishment for some recent shenanigans. Another fine tale you should catch up on if you haven't already. Now listen here, y'all, bellowed Norman in his fake cowboy drawl. Once again, there are some bad folks around into town, and once again, y'all have turned to me. This strictly wasn't strictly the case, as it was Norman who had invited them, not the other way around, but nobody was impolite enough to challenge him on this. Pat Test might have done, but she was only half listening as she flicked through her philofax, organising important business appointments. That traitor Buzzcut has summoned those god-awful Carltonians, and they ride in tomorrow at noon, he continued. Meet me at the edge of Buzz's farm by the main road at 11.30 tomorrow. I have a plan, but be stealthy, mind. We need to catch him by surprise. With that, he strode purposefully off into the night. Polite as they were, the residents all showed up at 11.30 the following morning, including Pat Test, who had nothing marked in her file of facts for that day. Ah, oh, Rick, what does this idiot want? Thought Buzz cut to himself as he peered out of, out of his window to see the arrival of Norman on the outskirts of his farm, having been alerted by the spluttering 1.3-litre engine of his Mitsubishi Colt. 
Mitsubishi Colt, that is. So much for the element of surprise. Right, said Norman, as he addressed the residents in pointlessly hushed tones. I need you all to hide over in the trees by the field yonder. I've bought artillery, and on my command, I want you all to fire. Those Carltonians are far too chicken to stand and fight. With that, he handed out an array of water pistols, cap guns, party poppers, and various Nerf products he had procured earlier that morning from the healthy aged in Nuneaton. Little Elderberry didn't much like the look of all this. It was far too violent for her. So she took possession of a small rainbow flag that had somehow become mixed in with Norman's arsenal. She would wave this with great authority, she thought to herself. As the time edged slowly nearer to noon, Norman and his ragtag companions hid invisibly in the trees. Seriously, what are those weirdos up to? Thought Buzz, who had watched them scurry off into their hiding positions from afar as he set up a pitch for the day's play. Perhaps, he considered, they just wanted to make sure they had the best spot to watch the cricket. At just after 12, uh, sorry, at just after 12, 22 men and women dressed in the unmistakable white knitwear of a cricketer strolled into view. It was time for action. Fire! commanded Norman, and with that, he and his band emerged from the trees with their schoolboy artillery making all manner of noise and firing an array of sponge, rubber, plastic and water ammunition. Ethel waved her flag authoritatively. What are you doing, you idiots? yelled Buzz. It's a charity match! Fortunately for Norman, nobody heard this over the din. Norman and his gang watched on as the two team captains engaged in a deep conversation with Buzz. They looked concerned. One appeared so agitated he was stamping his feet on the ground. A few moments later, the captains addressed their respective teams and they all left. Buzz trudged away dejectedly. Three cheers for Norman Road, shouted <clears throat> Norman Road, leading the celebrations of another act of courage for Barton in the Bean's finest cowboy. No thanks necessary, said Norman, interrupting the cheers he had begun. Now I'd love to stay and celebrate with you all, but this cowboy walks alone. With that, he hitched himself back on his colt, got in, and rode, <clears throat> drove away. It wouldn't be until the following week, when the match was finally played, that the locals found out what had actually happened. I'm not sure we can play in this pitch, Barry Butterworth had said, stamping his feet on the turf. It's far too waterlogged. Let's try again next week. Luckily for Norman, who was oblivious to the rescheduled fixture, the locals were far too kind to burst his bubble. Well, all except for Pat Test. But she had a busy day scheduled in her file of facts watching Sex in the City, so good old Norman Road would never find out. The end. Finn, end. Yeah, I get it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know what the end means. <laughs> You just, you just, you, you were just stunned into silence. I'm thinking, this is, this is dead air. I've got nothing no, else to no, no, I, was I, was I was stunned into silence as to how good it was. To that end, um, no, that's a lie. Let me, no, let me, <laughs> instead of saying why I think mine's unpublishable, let me tell you why I think yours is completely publishable. Okay, go on. So, the return of Norman Road and mentions of other stories in the series, to me, that's the mark of a very publishable series. That shows that people want people want these stories. People people crave what, what's going to happen next. 
Where's Where's Norman Road when we talk about Pat Test? Where's Pat Test when we talk about Stephen? Where's Ethel when we talk about Pat Test? Do you know what I mean? It's like it's what's what's where, where's like we, we want we want more from these people. Another thing, I uh, really thought it was incredibly clever, i.e., publishable of you to hone in on a very British and American kind of style with the whole buzz cut. Norman Road playing like the, the 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 cowboy character. So you've got the cowboys going into space, very Toy Story esque, but also very sixties, like the space race. So you're moving away from the cowboys in the old west and into the future, if you like. So even though it was a western, you still had you had threads there, you had layers. It was like an onion. This story of yours, Andrew. God, I'm good. <laughs> I ride a horse, walk, uh, painting a picture. With 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 your words, it was just it was magnificent. Oh, it was like uh, Ethel waving the flag. I could picture it. I could see it. It was beautiful. <laughs> um. Also, if you're going to tell me that yours is unpublishable, you tell that to the residents of both Carlton and Barton the Beans, and I'm sure that they will disagree with you. <laughs> I uh, rest very, my case. A very well constructed argument, and I'm going to counter that. Um. I think what what makes my story unpublishable is the fact that basically it's exactly the same story as the last one that Norman Road was in. <laughs> I've just yeah, instead of developers, it's a cricket match. It's pretty much, you know, carbon copy. Who wants a sequel that is nigh on the same as the prequel? That's right. This guy right here. <laughs> I thought yours very cleverly weaved in the different elements of the title, chicken, trees, and cricket, in a, in a, in, in a fashion that I wasn't expecting at all. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I enjoyed your story far too much for it to be unpublishable. Well, what you know? essentially happened was, is that I work right by a marina, um, and so I sat on my lunch break for about 20 minutes and thought, chicken, trees, and cricket... Oh, oh what, like, and it's got to be a romance. What am I? And there's a pub right next to it as well. So I just put that all together and mix it all up. So it wasn't, there was no kind of finesse. No, whoa, 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 there's no it's finesse. Cool, like, boat, 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 mm. Mm, barmaid. Yeah, yeah, okay. And then I literally send the characters, or sorry, she literally sends the characters. <laughs> Terrible name, by the way, Ed Turner. Um, she literally I don't the know characters. about that. That's a very good name. <laughs> she literally sends the... Ed Turner literally sends the characters on a wild goose chase. That is completely unpublishable. I don't know, because every, everyone, you know, I think everyone will enjoy that lark. But also, what I, do you know what I feel your story is is, is comparable to? Um, and I think... Very unpublishable one. In, in, in some of my previous things. In fact, No. I think it's in a future story, so you don't know this yet, but happy accidents. Mm. It's a happy accident, you know. It's like um, Sir Isaac Newton. It's you know? not like Sir Isaac Newton. Don't you know, he compare my story. You, know, you didn't ask, expect I... on that day that this absolute beauty of a story would, would more or less drop out of the sky into the landscape in which you, you live and work. And just just um, manifest itself in such a meaningful, romantic, short epic. What a load of pap! 
I sat on my lunch break and thought, but, so, but your story at the very least has uh, trees and crickets and chickens involved. Mine are like, I have none of that. Well, I mean, ultimately, ultimately, and as much as I enjoy um, debating this, um, <laughs> Thrust what and carry. counts for nothing. Now, I'm just going to, I can hear giggling in the other room, and I'd love to think this is our podcast. It's not. But I fear it's not, and I really want to know what it is. But do you know what? Let's put a pin in that. Let's put a pin in it, because I also, slightly more than that, I want to know what the mystery reader has to say. Okay. So, as it stands, it's currently 2-1 to your good self. Let's see what the mystery reader has to say about these stories this evening. Pause there a second, because I really need to see what she's, she's she's crying, laughing in the other room. I need to see what's going on. Oh, yeah. Why are you crying laughing at? Okay, you'll like this. No, just to say, vintage, George goes on vintage now and puts a heart next to all the things that he wants to buy. So he's chosen loads of presents for me and Sarah on there, apparently. So he's order, he's, apparently he's ordering me a pair of um, sparkly platform shoes, size nines, yeah. um, a big furry coat that would make Sarah look like a Highland cattle, yeah. and um, a naked Barbie doll. All right, yeah, yeah. Good lad. Anyway, sorry. So I'm so sorry. I just she was she was crying. I couldn't I couldn't wait. I needed to. Anyway, so. not at all. <clears throat> so our mystery reader says hello both. I read both stories quickly and made a snap decision, then was going to read them both again as they were both very good. I know. We failed. Before making a final decision. Yeah, we're both losers. Before making a final decision. I think they are both publishable. However, I know I must pick one that is unpublishable, so I've decided... The Western is the one that is the most unpublishable. Why is it the most unpublishable? Did he say? She say? He or she? I must say, as when I started to read read it, I could hear James Stewart, sorry, I could hear James Stewart's voice reading it in my head, but that that all changed when I read the Duke's name. Happy writing, mystery reader. Yay! (laughs) <laughs> Accidental point. Best kind of point. <laughs> default. Default. Well, thanks, mystery reader. Yeah, three one to your good self, Mara. So at the very least, I'm not going to get hammered this series because even if you win every other point, you can only win four three. That's fine. Uh, I'll, so I'll, I feel... I'll, I'm I'm happy. I'm genuinely happy that I've that it's not, not just picked up a point. You go that, that way. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. If it was like a six nil, sorry, seven nil whitewash, I'd be devastated. I mean, I'm 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 torn because I get the whole point of the podcast. Oh, I good. did. That's good. Yeah, finally, I've got it. And I did genuinely try to think what would make these stories unpublishable. But I also, I'm not gonna lie. I really enjoy my stories so far. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so it's like, is it an insult to to my, my to my craft that it's so unpublishable? I don't know. But then again, 
is unpublishable bad? Is it like, you know, one of those parental guidance albums, you know, that you wouldn't be, ex- what did they say on the front? Explicit content, you know, yeah. wouldn't be allowed to listen to by your children. This is this is too unpublishable for young ears, but oh my word, it's genius. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think if 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 I, I get comfort from the fact that the mystery reader appears to be enjoying the stories, so yes. that to me, as hollow a victory as it is, <laughs> is a victory nonetheless. And I will take the real victory. You'll t- um, I knew you were going to say that. You Tell me you wouldn't have. And listeners, if you've got nothing better to do tomorrow or today, depending when you're listening, please do crack on and listen to our next episode. Or cluck on, as this one featured chicken, trees and cricket. What a wonderful, gentle little joke that was. Thanks. You're welcome. Ciao Ciao for now, everybody. Don't write this, don't read this, don't rate this, it's rubbish, don't publish this podcast.